TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. Way back and done. Touch them all. It's Touch Them All. I can't tell you how much I enjoyed saying Touch Them All. Hey, and welcome to a special edition of Five Thoughts, an emergency edition of Five Thoughts on a Friday. I'm Derek Wetmore. This show is brought to you by The Shane Company, your friend in the diamond business. Our special guest today is Dan Hayes, uh, who was all over this Marwin Gonzalez news before it happened, and now it's happened. Dan, how's it going, man? It's uh, going well. I was going to do my Tom Shane impersonation, oh, yeah? but uh, I decided not to. Maybe save that save for, for another show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's maybe a future thing. Uh, we got a lot to talk about, obviously. I want to start with Gonzalez and where he'll play. Let's also talk about maybe the impact on the rest of the roster and uh, payroll. Yeah. It was a topic of conversation this winter, I it, believe. It was? It came up once or twice. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they're they're at $48.6 million spent on free agents alone this offseason. Uh, that's ninth in the majors 48. right now. 48.6 on free agents? Yeah. You did the math? Uh, sport rack uh, or sport track. I don't know. What, I never know how to say that. I know. They uh, they did the math you. for me. They did the <laughs> math for me. So. Spot track. Yeah, it was, uh, it, you know, they... they uh, have them at forty eight point six, you know it's five guys they brought in across the board, and and I know that the twins got a little bit of flack early on because they said they weren't going to push all in. Um, I understand why they're at that point. It's Byron Buxton and Miguel Snow, as much as Rocco Baldelli played that down today, um, are not they're they're the keys to this. They need to rebound. Mm-hmm. They have to be two win players, three win players for this team to succeed. They don't have to be six, okay? Sure. But if they were, if they were, maybe we're talking about Manny Machado or Bryce Harper, those kind of moves. But the Twins, they still went out and had a very low key, great uh, off season. Nelson Cruz, Jonathan Scope. It, you know, when you add Marwin Gonzalez to the the mix there, along with Blake Parker, Martin Perez, yeah. CJ Crone through a waiver claim, they've really added a lot of good depth, and this could be a very exciting offense. I like the way you phrased it, low-key, great offseason. I will say, just to play devil's advocate, because that's a, a favorite of mine on Five Thoughts and on Touch Em All, <laughs> I said that last year too, Dan Hayes. I said this is a low-key, excellent offseason for him. Trading for Jake Odorizzi, Lance Lynn, Logan Morrison, Zach Duke, Addison Reed. I was thinking to myself, okay, there's no way to not like this offseason. Then we saw how it played out on the field. Absolutely. It didn't go well. And the last the last minute moves really didn't go well with yeah. Lance Lynn and yeah. Logan Morrison, and there was a point this year where they wanted to make sure that they got guys in, and so this might be that last move. I I will we'll hear. So? I think it is. I mean, it's possible they'll get somebody else. Come on, they did until March tenth last year, yeah. and it was like kept going back to Falvey, like you got another one in you, <laughs> That's you know. Right. But I won't but, turn my phone off. Exactly, exactly. But you know, they wanted to make a point of getting guys in early. And getting them around the team, and and I wonder if there's sort of an internal cutoff date just to do that because of what happened last year. That was a long, long April and May for Lance Lynn and, and yeah. Logan Morrison. It's pretty interesting because I think you can do the whole hired gun thing, but you have to pick your spots with it. Right. And last year, I think they had a couple of people with whom they should not have picked that spot. It definitely didn't help. They came in with a little bit of a – they were dismayed by the whole free agency thing. Sure. And, and look, you got guys to pick them as – Scope picked them. He didn't want to do a multi-year deal. He wanted to do a one-year deal and bet on himself. I think that part of it helps too. You don't have Lance Lynn 
and Logan Morrison saying, well, I got to take this because this is really the best thing I got out take here. Take it or leave it. Right. At, you you basically had, you know, Scope pick you. You had Nelson Cruz pick you over Houston and Tampa Bay. Yeah. So I think it says a lot about what they brought in. And even though some of those guys are on one-year deals, they, they chose to come, to come here. And that's a, a different mindset, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that the way that they're shaping this up, too, let's talk about the roster because yeah. some people saw this or saw your report in The Athletic the other day that said they're kicking around. They had talked about the parameters of even a three-year deal at, right. at one point. How uh, unusual of a fit that seemed to some people. I saw some Twins fans on my timeline and on my Facebook page, uh, listeners of the podcast, saying, uh, yeah, he's a good player, but how how is he going to fit on this roster? Dan, how do you see it playing out? Um, assuming spring training and everything goes well and according right. to plan and everybody's healthy, where does Marwin Gonzalez fit on this team? Everywhere. Everywhere, and that's a great thing for Rocco Baldelli. Uh, probably a guy with like 500 plate appearances, and okay. some will be at short, some will be at third. Miguel Sano has never played. I think he has 478 plate appearances is his single season high, and mm-hmm. they'd love for him to get 600. Yeah. But um, this is a great possibility, and I think they will. They're really into the rest model, so they can give guys a couple of days off and know that they're putting a pretty good player in there. I mean, you put him at second for a few days. You can put him at first base. He's a, he's an outstanding corner outfielder. So if you're giving those guys a day off, and, and you know, it really, if they do do the 13-man staff eventually, yeah. which I, I think they're going to start with the 12-man staff just because those days off, but when they get to that 13-man staff point, you got another, you got a fourth outfielder basically right here. Beyond that, you can. I think with Willens Astadio and um, and Mitch Garver, you can throw. Those guys are not as high on your list of putting them in the outfield, yeah. but you have six guys that could do it if they decided. You know, they put Jake Cave in the minors. There's it just it offers a lot of flexibility to this roster because you know that's what you need when you have a DH that just is a DH pretty much. Yeah. Jake Cave has an option, right? Jake Cave has options. I really like Jake Cave. I, I should do too. Say. Like, oh, I, I wouldn't put him in the minors, but I get what you're saying with the flexibility. When you when you move guys around, yeah. When you have to, because look, they're going to have a hard decision for the opening day roster with sure. the 12 man pitching. Yes, staff. they will, and and that's not going to be a fun choice either. So when you do inevitably go to the 13 man, you're going to have to put somebody on the position side down, and they love Willens Astadio. I don't know that. You know, they love him, and I, I think he makes this roster, and I think they want to keep him here. He's a popular player. He's a popular player with fans, with his teammates, with the coaching staff, with the front office. Mm-hmm. You know, there's if he performs, he's going to stick here. So they got to figure out a way to get as flexible as possible, and this is a great move for that reason. Let me play the counterpoint really quickly, and I, I hear what you're saying. Marwin plays everywhere. He can back up Sano at third base. He can spell Jorge Polanco at shortstop. Jonathan Scope's not going to play 162 games at second base. Even C.J. Crone, you'd look and say, okay, well, Marwin Gonzalez could play first base. Yeah. Corner outfield, okay, we just established a lot of places that he can play baseball. Does it make any sense to have Marwin Gonzalez start at one position and move somebody else? I, I don't think anybody else really can do that. I think this is the guy that reasonably can play those spots and do a good job defensively. I think looking at his stats, uh, defensive stats, you know, he was below average on defensive runs saved at shortstop only last year, but earlier in his career he was really good at it. it. Like, So you have to figure he's capable of being a good shortstop. 
but everywhere else across the board, he was worth at least one defensive run saved. Um, and he was like six in the outfield. So, no, I think that I think that's part of the selling point to him is that he gets to move around. I think he enjoys being this type of player. Mm. And he got to do it for an Astros team that won the World Series two years yeah. ago. And if that's what it took to bring him in, I, you know, he probably enjoys it. And rather than moving someone, you know, Miguel Sano to first, and uh, I don't think that makes sense in this. I don't think moving Polanco – I mean, you're you're pretty set at where guys can play with the exception of maybe Polanco being a second baseman. Sure. At, and, and maybe, you know, Scope last year stood at shortstop for 19 innings. Mm-hmm. So, But you're kind of set in that way, and that's where he comes in and fills things out. Yeah, it'd be it'd be weird. You'd have to do some uncomfortable things to make it work. But I could see him as a starting player at at a certain point. Oh, I, he is a starter. Though. That's the thing. When you're giving a guy 500 at bats, he is essentially an everyday. He's like your player. NBA sixth man, where you're he like, is. yeah, he's a starter. He is. He's okay. going to play so much that people will. It'll be a different position every couple of days. Sure. But he's gonna get that time. You know, who he reminds me of Eduardo Escobar. I think he's a better defender than our Eduardo Escobar. Do you? I do. I've seen uh, not a not a ton of Astros games, but obviously I've watched a number of Astros games through the years. And I'm not a professional scout, but I do have a podcast. I say, thank you for getting that. <laughs> I was joking. Um, I, I just see it. He can probably play okay at third. He's fine at second base. Just about anybody's fine at second base. I think he's stretched at shortstop. Yeah. I don't really like him as an outfielder that much. And he's a hitter. He can just flat-out hit yeah. for a bench guy. A lot of people with that bat, you expect to find a starting spot. Right. But it's like Eduardo Escobar, where if he's your first guy off the bench, that's a great position. As soon as he gets pushed into, like, if he's your starting left fielder, you, you maybe start to look around for upgrades. Absolutely. But, I mean, that's why the Jake Cave on the roster, that's your true fourth outfielder, I think, sure. right there. And That's a good point. You know, you've you've got guys like that in most of these positions, but I really do think, like you said, the bat is good. Five of his six seasons have been on, on the weighted runs created plus have been above average. Uh, two years ago, he was amazing. He yeah. struggled last year a little bit, uh, but he's still, he's a good player. I yeah. mean, and you throw another good player onto this roster and into what looks like a pretty good offense right now. Uh, We'll still see on the on-base percentage, sure. But there's yeah. a lot of pop. I mean, this guy averaged 15 home runs the last five se- or over five seasons, and he hit 23 that year that you're talking about. That 2017 where he just went nuts. Yeah, it was a a great season. And he hit 300, and he's still young. He's 29. That's a, you know, you're not getting a guy that's at the end. You're getting his 29 and 30 year old years. And hidden benefit to this is it gives them some serious flexibility next off season. When Jonathan Scope is yep. a free agent, so yep. if if they don't, if they can't retain Jonathan Scope, if Nick Gordon's not ready, if Royce Lewis, you, you got so many different options here to have him move around. That's yeah. a good thing. Yeah, he'll be thirty, I think, by opening day. I think he's a March birthday, um, ancient in baseball terms. In other words, <laughs> <laughs> it is a little bit. It's getting up there. Well, it's like it's weird because five years ago, this guy would have cashed in on a huge deal. Right, he he would have got. I, I read a report that Scott Boris was asking for sixty million. Yeah, for Marlon Gonzalez, and 
ambient MLB trade rumors, which can sometimes be conservative about those things, I, although this year and last maybe they're a little aggressive on these things, I think they had projected something like third, three and thirty or three and thirty six or yeah, I, yeah. Hey, and, that and sounds about right. So the reported numbers are two years, twenty one million dollars. We'll see when the all the final details do come out. But just kind of interesting. I view it as this guy sort of fell into their laps. And as much as they wanted to avoid that after last season, this clearly is one that they were willing to look past that uh, that preference to have guys in before camp started. I wonder on this, you know, the talk was three years a couple days ago. Some of his suitors seem to have fallen off. Uh, Philadelphia was supposed to be in that mix. Clearly they have money. They weren't in this mix at the end here. The White Sox were said to have dropped out. So it looked, you know, John Heyman earlier today was reporting the Giants and the Twins. Um, you have to figure other teams were still in there. But I wonder if what the shape of their roster is allowed them to get two years where maybe this offer wasn't available to other teams. They would have had to go on that third year with, you know, a team like the White Sox or a team like the Giants would have had to have committed to a third year. I Total speculation yeah, on my that's part. That's what we do on this podcast. We do, we do. And, Reckless and speculation. It's, it's, but it, you know, people were commenting on that on social media. Well, why didn't Team A go after him for two years and twenty-one million? Who knows if this offer was available to Team A at two years and twenty-one million? Yep. It's not always the top dollar, top year that wins the day, right? And the Twins learned that this off season too on a number of different fronts. Yes, absolutely. I think Dan, I have to ask you. We we started the show talking about a payroll, but. Big picture, with the extensions to Kepler and Polanco, what do you make of this offseason that they had where, I'll put my own opinion in here, that they didn't put their foot all the way down on the gas pedal and say World Series or bust 2019, but you step back and look at the broader question of, of payroll and in spending on wins. How do you view this team as that uh, headed into the 2019 season? I mean, I think there's a lot of reasons to like what you got. Potentially it's there, but... Look, we've known all along there are a bunch of guys that have to bounce back across the board. Jonathan Scope, Byron Buxton, Miguel Sano, Martin Perez, Jake Odorizzi. Um, Michael Pineda. Michael Pineda for two years ago, what yeah. you're talking about. Um, Jason Castro is on that list. Addison Reed would be a huge help if he bounces back. Trevor Hildenberger. Right. Isn't there. it crazy how many people we were just able to name off the top of our heads that they're sort of counting on a bounce back from? They are, and that's why you go into it with a little bit of healthy skepticism. <laughs> sure, okay. But you look at what they've got and the possibilities, and look, that team won 78 games last year without any offense in the first half. Yeah. It was a dismal production. From a team that finished fourth in the American League in 2017 and runs scored mm-hmm. to a team that nearly fell off the map in the first half and rallied and ended up getting, I think, sixth in the AL and runs scored last okay. year. It was a strong September. It was a strong August for the offense um, when they were out of it. Yeah. But they are a team that definitely, I don't know, I, it, there's reason to be optimistic, and yet a little healthy dose of skepticism is not a bad thing. Excellent. Dan, uh, you had to reschedule a chat today. What else are you working on at The Athletic that people can go find? And by the way, they can follow you on Twitter at Dan Hayes MLB. Yeah, there's a couple things coming up uh, Tuesday. Some stuff on uh, me and Eno Saris are going to dive deep into the low strike and how the Twins are trying to capture more of them this year. I know that they have put in a ton of work across the board and Mitch Garver is, I'm going to tell you, more excited about this possibility. He he basically told me the other day, he heard from all of you on social media, 
about how he was the worst defensive catcher in baseball when it came to pitch framing. He said he heard about it. He already knew it. He didn't need to be told, but it really motivated him this offseason. And so that that's going to be a fun story to kind of go into doing some innovative stuff on that. And uh, I'll catch my breath after today. It's going to yeah. be interesting. So <laughs> yeah. That's right. Well, hey, another late flurry for the Twins and in spring training. It always makes it fascinating for us. And, oh, by the way, Rocco Baldelli manages in his first two games yeah, on two Saturday games. tomorrow. Hey, hey, welcome <laughs> to the big leagues. You get two games. Yeah. Although he is bringing that one on himself a little bit. He he is deciding to drive up the road to Sarasota. He could very easily pull the veteran manager move and have just stuck home for the night game and sent, you know, a, a skeleton coaching staff up the road. But he's taken on both games, which is uh, a little crazy. He could also do the uh... – I'll go coach in Sarasota and leave somebody else to manage against the Rays that at be, home for the opener. Oh, he that'd could be have great. done that. They, what if he just left like a cardboard cutout of himself in the dugout? <laughs> Kevin Cash would have loved that move. I'm I'm sure of it. I actually think it would have been great. That'd be pretty pretty uh, good move. Pretty veteran savvy yes. move there on the first day. Yes, epic. Dan Hayes uh, from the Athletic. Thanks so much for your time today. Appreciate you as. Always. All right. Thanks for having me. This has been Five Thoughts. I'm Derek Wetmore for Dan Hayes. Appreciate you listening to this emergency Marwin Gonzalez episode of Five Thoughts brought to you by The Shane Company, your friend in the diamond business. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. Way back and gone. Touch them all. It's Touch Them All. I can't tell you how much I enjoyed saying Touch Them All. Hey, and welcome to a special edition of Five Thoughts, an emergency edition of Five Thoughts on a Friday. I'm Derek Wetmore. This show is brought to you by The Shane Company, your friend in the diamond business. Our special guest today is Dan Hayes, uh, who was all over this Marwin Gonzalez news before it happened, and now it's happened. Dan, how's it going, man? It's uh, going well. I was going to do my Tom Shane impersonation oh, yeah? but uh i decided not to maybe save that save for, for another show yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's that's maybe a future thing uh, we got a lot to talk about obviously i want to start with gonzalez and where he'll play let's also talk about maybe the impact on the rest of the roster and uh payroll yeah it was a topic of conversation this winter i it, believe it was it came up once or twice maybe yeah. i mean yeah they're they're at 48.6 million dollars spent on free agents alone this offseason uh, that's ninth in the majors. Forty-eight point right six on free agents. Yeah, you did the math. Uh, uh, sport rack uh, or sport track? I don't know. What, I never know how to say that. I know they uh, I they did the math you. for me. They did the math for me. So. Spot track. Yeah, it was. Uh, it, you know, they they uh, have them at forty-eight point six. You know, it's five guys they brought in across the board, and and I know that the Twins got a little bit of flack early on because they said they weren't going to push all in. Um, I understand why they're at that point. It's Byron Buxton and Miguel Snow, as much as Rocco Baldelli played that down today, um, are not. They're they're the keys to this. They need to rebound. Mm-hmm. They have to be two win players, three win players for this team to succeed. They don't have to be six. Okay, sure. but if they were, if they were, maybe we're talking about Manny Machado or Bryce Harper, those kind of moves. But the Twins, they still went out and had a very low key, great uh, off season. Nelson Cruz, Jonathan Scope. It, you know, when you add Marwin Gonzalez to the the mix there, along with Blake Parker and Martin Perez, yeah. CJ Crone through a waiver claim, they've really added a lot of good depth, and this could be a very exciting offense. I like the way you phrased it, low-key, great offseason. I will say, just to play devil's advocate, because that's a, a favorite of mine on Five Thoughts and on Touch Em All, 
I said that last year too, Dan Hayes. I said this is a low-key, excellent offseason for him. Trading for Jake Odorizzi, Lance Lynn, Logan Morrison, Zach Duke, Addison Reed. I was thinking to myself, okay, there's no way to not like this offseason. And then we saw how it played out on the field. Absolutely. It didn't go well. And the last the last minute moves really didn't go well with yeah. Lance Lynn and yeah. Logan Morrison. And there was a point this year where they wanted to make sure that they got guys in. And so this might be that last move. I, I, we'll, we'll think hear. So? I think it is. I mean, it's possible they'll get somebody else. Come on, they did until March 10th last year. Yeah. And it was like, kept going back to Falvey, like, you got another one in you? you know? <laughs> but, I won't but, turn my phone off. Exactly, exactly. But, you know, they wanted to make a point of getting guys in early and getting them around the team. And, and I wonder if there's sort of an internal cutoff date just to do that because of what happened last year. That was a long, long April and May for Lance Lynn and, and yeah. Logan Morrison. It's pretty interesting because I think you can do the whole hired gun thing, but you have to pick your spots with it. Right. And last year I think they had a couple of people with whom they should not have picked that spot. It definitely didn't help. They came in with a little bit of a – they were dismayed by the whole free agency thing. Sure. And, and look, you got guys to pick them as – Scope picked them. He didn't want to do a multi-year deal. He wanted to do a one-year deal and bet on himself. I think that part of it helps too. You don't have Lance Lynn and Logan Morrison saying, well, I got to take this because this is really the best thing I got take out here. Take it or leave it. Right. At, you You basically had, you know – scope pick you you had nelson cruz pick you over houston and tampa bay yeah so i think it says a lot about what they brought in and even though some of those guys are on one-year deals they they chose to come to come here and that's a, a different mindset i think yeah yeah and i think that the way that they're shaping this up too let's talk about the roster because yeah. some people saw this or saw your report in the athletic the other day that said they're kicking around they had talked about the parameters of even a three-year deal at, right at one point how uh, unusual of a fit that seemed to some people. I saw some Twins fans on my timeline and on my Facebook page, uh, listeners of the podcast, saying, uh, yeah, he's a good player, but how how is he going to fit on this roster? Dan, how do you see it playing out? Um, assuming spring training and everything goes well and according right. to plan and everybody's healthy, where does Marwin Gonzalez fit on this team? Everywhere. Everywhere, and that's a great thing for Rocco Baldelli. Uh, probably a guy with like 500 plate appearances, and okay. some will be at short, some will be at third. Miguel Sano has never played. I think he has 478 plate appearances is his single season high, and mm. they'd love for him to get 600. Yeah. But um, this is a great possibility, and I think they will. They're really into the rest model, so they can give guys a couple days off and know that they're putting a pretty good player in there. I mean, you put him at second for a few days. You can put him at first base. He's a, he's an outstanding corner outfielder. So if you're giving those guys a day off. And, and you know, it really, if they do do the 13-man staff eventually, yeah. which I, I think they're going to start with the 12-man staff just because those days off. But when they get to that 13-man staff point, you got another, you got a fourth outfielder basically right here. Beyond that, you can, I think, with Willens Astadio and um, and Mitch Garver, you can throw. Those guys are not as high on your list of putting them in the outfield, yeah. but you have six guys that could do it if they decided. You know, they put Jake Cave in the minors. It, there's it just it offers a lot of flexibility to this roster because, you know, that's what you need when you have a DH that just is a DH pretty much. Yeah. 
Jake Cave has an option, right? Jake Cave has options. I really like Jake Cave. I, I should do too. Say. Like oh, I, I wouldn't put him in the minors, but I get what you're saying with the flexibility. When you when you move guys around, yeah. When you have to, because look, they're going to have a hard decision for the opening day roster with sure. the 12 man pitching. Yes, staff. they will, and and that's not going to be a fun choice either. So. When you do inevitably go to the 13 man, you're going to have to put somebody on the position side down. And they love Willens Astadio. I don't know that, you know, they love him. And I, I think he makes this roster. And I think they want to keep him here. He's a popular player. He's a popular player with fans, with his teammates, with the coaching staff, with the front office. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, if he performs, he's going to stick here. So they got to figure out a way to get as flexible as possible. And this is a great move for that reason. Let me play the counterpoint really quickly, and I, I hear what you're saying. Marwin plays everywhere. He can back up Sano at third base. He can spell Jorge Polanco at shortstop. Jonathan Scope's not going to play 162 games at second base. Even C.J. Crone, you'd look and say, okay, well, Marwin Gonzalez could play first base. Yeah. Corner outfield, okay, we just established a lot of places that he can play baseball. Does it make any sense to have Marwin Gonzalez start at one position and move somebody else? I, I don't think anybody else really can do that i think this is the guy that reasonably can play those spots and do a good job defensively i think looking at his stats uh defensive stats you know he was below average on defensive runs saved at shortstop only last year but earlier in his career he was really good at it like so you have to figure he's capable of being a good shortstop but everywhere else across the board he was worth at least one defensive run saved um and he was like six in the outfield so no, I think that I think that's part of the selling point to him is that he gets to move around. I think he enjoys being this type of player. Mm. And he got to do it for an Astros team that won the World Series two years yeah. ago. And if that's what it took to bring him in, I you know, he probably enjoys it and rather than moving someone, you know, Miguel Snow to first and uh, I don't think that makes sense in this. I don't think moving Polanco I mean, you're you're pretty set at where guys can play with the exception of maybe Polanco being a second baseman. Sure. At, and, and maybe, you know, Scope last year stood at shortstop for 19 innings. Mm-hmm. So, But you're kind of set in that way, and that's where he comes in and fills things out. Yeah, it'd be it'd be weird. You'd have to do some uncomfortable things to make it work. But I could see him as a starting player at at a certain point. Oh, I, he is a starter. Though. That's the thing. When you're giving a guy 500 at bats, he is essentially an everyday. He's like your player. NBA sixth man, where you're he like, is. yeah, he's a starter. He is. He's okay. going to play so much that people will. It'll be a different position every couple of days. Sure. But he's going to get that time. You know, who he reminds me of Eduardo Escobar. I think he's a better defender than our Eduardo Escobar. Do you? I do. I've seen uh, not a not a ton of Astros games, but obviously I've watched a number of Astros games through the years. And I'm not a professional scout, but I do have a podcast. I say, thank you for getting that. <laughs> I was joking. Um, I, I just see it. He can probably play okay at third. He's fine at second base. Just about anybody's fine at second base. I think he's stretched at shortstop. Yeah. I don't really like him as an outfielder that much. And he's a hitter. He can just flat-out hit. For yeah. a bench guy, a lot of people with that bat, you expect to find a starting spot. Right. But it's like Eduardo Escobar, where if he's your first guy off the bench, 
that's a great position. As soon as he gets pushed into, like, if he's your starting left fielder, you, you maybe start to look around for upgrades. Absolutely. But, I mean, that's why the Jake Cave on the roster, that's your true fourth outfielder, I think, sure. right there. And That's a good point. You know, you've you've got guys like that in most of these positions. But I really do think, like you said, the bat is good. Five of his six seasons have been, on, on the weighted runs created plus, have been above average. Uh, two years ago, he was amazing. He yeah. struggled last year a little bit, uh, but he's still he's a good player. I yeah. mean, and you throw another good player onto this roster and into what looks like a pretty good offense right now. Uh, we'll still see on the on-base percentage. Sure. But there's yeah. a lot of pop. I mean, this guy averaged 15 home runs the last five se- or over five seasons. And he hit 23 that year that you're talking about, that 2017 where he just went nuts. Yeah, it was a, a great season. And he hit 300. And he's still young. He's 29. That's a... You know, you're not getting a guy that's at the end. You're getting his 29 and 30 year old years. And hidden benefit to this is it gives them some serious flexibility next off season when Jonathan Scope is yep. a free agent. So yep. if if they don't, if they can't retain Jonathan Scope, if Nick Gordon's not ready, if Royce Lewis, you got so many different options here to have him move around. That's yeah. a good thing. Yeah, he'll be 30, I think, by opening day. I think he's a March birthday. Um, ancient. In baseball terms, in other words. <laughs> <laughs> it is a little bit. It's getting up there. Well, it's like what's weird because five years ago, this guy would have cashed in on a huge deal. Right. He, he would have got I, – I read a report that Scott Boris was asking for $60 million Yeah. for Marwin Gonzalez. And even MLB trade rumors, which can sometimes be conservative about those things, I, although this year and last maybe they're a little aggressive on these things, I think they had projected something like third – what three and thirty, or three and thirty-six, or yeah, yeah. And, that and sounds about right. So the reported numbers are two years, twenty-one million dollars. We'll see when the all the final details do come out. But just kind of interesting. I view it as this guy sort of fell into their laps, and as much as they wanted to avoid that after last season, this clearly is one that they were willing to look past that uh, that preference to have guys in before camp started. I wonder on this. You know, the talk was three years couple days ago some of his suitors seem to have fallen off uh philadelphia was supposed to be in that mix clearly they have money they weren't in this mix at the end here the white Sox were said to have dropped out so it looked you know john Heyman earlier today was reporting the giants and the twins um you have to figure other teams were still in there but i wonder if what the shape of their roster is allowed them to get two years where maybe this offer wasn't available to other teams. They would have had to gone that third year with, you know, a team like the White Sox or a team like the Giants would have had to have committed to a third year. I total speculation yeah, on my part. That's what we do on this podcast. We do, we do. And, Reckless and speculation. It's it's but it you know, people were commenting on that on social media. Well why didn't team A go after him for two years and twenty one million? Who knows if this offer was available to Team A at two years and twenty-one million? Yep. It's not always the top dollar, top year that wins the day, right? And the Twins learned that this off season too on a number of different fronts. Yes, absolutely. I think Dan, I have to ask you. We we started the show talking about a payroll, but big picture with the extensions to Kepler and Polanco, what do you make of this off season that they had? Where, where I'll put my own opinion in here that they, they didn't put their foot all the way down on the gas pedal and say World Series or bust 2019, but you step back and look at the broader question of of payroll and in spending on wins. How do you view this team as at uh, headed into the 2019 season? I mean, I think there's a lot of reasons to like what you got. Potentially, it's there, but look, we've known all along there are a bunch of guys. 
that have to bounce back across the board. Jonathan Scope, Byron Buxton, Miguel Sano, Martin Perez, Jake Odorizzi. Um, Michael Pineda. Michael Pineda for two years ago, what yeah. you're talking about. Um, Jason Castro is on that list. Addison Reed would be a huge help if he bounces back. Trevor Hildenberger. Right. Isn't there. it crazy how many people we were just able to name off the top of our heads that they're sort of counting on a bounce back from? They are, and that's why you go into it with a little bit of healthy skepticism. <laughs> sure, okay. But you look at what they've got and the possibilities, and look, that team won 78 games last year without any offense in the first half. Yeah. It was a dismal production. From a team that finished fourth in the American League in 2017 and runs scored mm-hmm. to a team that nearly fell off the map in the first half and rallied and ended up getting, I think, sixth in the AL and runs scored last okay. year. It was a strong September. It was a strong August for the offense um, when they were out of it. Yeah. But they are a team that definitely, I don't know, I, it, there's reason to be optimistic, and yet a little healthy dose of skepticism is not a bad thing. Excellent. Dan, uh, you had to reschedule a chat today. What else are you working on at The Athletic that people can go find? And by the way, they can follow you on Twitter at Dan Hayes MLB. Yeah, there's a couple things coming up uh, Tuesday. Some stuff on uh, me and Eno Saris are going to dive deep into the low strike and how the Twins are trying to capture more of them this year. I know that they have put in a ton of work across the board. And Mitch Garver is, I'm going to tell you, more excited about this possibility. He he basically told me the other day he heard from all of you on social media <laughs> uh, about how he was the worst defensive catcher in baseball when it came to pitch framing. He said he heard about it. He already knew it. He didn't need to be told. But it really motivated him this offseason. And so that that's going to be a fun story to kind of go into doing some innovative stuff on that and uh, I'll catch my breath after today. It's going to yeah. be interesting. So, <laughs> yeah. That's right. Well, hey, another late flurry for the Twins and in spring training. It always makes it fascinating for us. And, oh, by the way, Rocco Baldelli manages in his first two games yeah, on two Saturday. Games. Tomorrow. Hey, hey, welcome <laughs> to the big leagues. You get two games. Yeah. Although he is bringing that one on himself a little bit. He, he is deciding to drive up the road to Sarasota. He could very easily pull the veteran manager move and have just stuck home for the night game and sent, you know, a skeleton coaching staff up the road, but he's taken on both games, which is uh, a little crazy. He could also do the, uh, I'll go coach in Sarasota and leave somebody else to manage against the Rays at home for the opener. He could have done that. What if he just left like a cardboard cut out of himself in the dugout? (laughs) (laughs) Kevin Cash would have loved that move. I'm, I'm sure of it. I actually think it would have been great. That'd be pretty, pretty, uh, Good move. Pretty veteran-savvy yes. move there on the first day. Yes. Epic. Dan Hayes uh, from The Athletic, thanks so much for your time today. Appreciate you as always. All right. Thanks for having me. This has been Five Thoughts. I'm Derek Wetmore for Dan Hayes. Appreciate you listening to this emergency Marwin Gonzalez episode of Five Thoughts brought to you by The Shane Company, your friend in the diamond business.